Have you heard about Amazon's latest device? You may have thought that Amazon already knew everything about you, but now it's going to track your sleep. The company is launching a bedside device that senses movement and breathing. So you can ask Alexa, how am I sleeping? I don't know if I'm ready for Amazon to track my sleep. You'll have to let me know how you feel about it. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ruth Reader. This week, the CDC reported a worrying spike in three respiratory viruses in kids this summer, rhinovirus, enterovirus, and the more severe enterovirus, D68. These viruses normally peak in fall and winter, so the surge is coming months earlier than usual. The pharmaceutical companies Biogen and ASI said Tuesday that an Alzheimer drug they developed had slowed the rate of cognitive decline. The strong results from their clinical trial boost the drug's chances of winning FDA approval. And some patients seeking drugs to treat everything from arthritis to acne in states with near-total abortion bans must now show extra documentation to prove they're not using the drugs to end a pregnancy. My colleague Alice Miranda Olstein has the story. The three main drugs that these groups have flagged to us, both national and state level pharmacist groups and physician groups, said that the drugs misoprostol, mifepristone, and methotrexate are really the ones coming under extra scrutiny. And like you said, all of these drugs can either be used for causing an abortion or for another purpose. And it can be a wide range of other purposes. You know, what really caught my eye is that these these big national physician and pharmacy groups, you know, like the American Medical Association, these are not activist groups. These are not leftist groups. They're very sort of small C conservative. And so when they are flagging that this is a major problem, it really caught my attention. Yeah. So one of the drugs is misoprostol, which I think you mentioned, and that is used for two things. We know it's used both for stomach ulcers and also for treating miscarriages and also is one of the two drugs involved in medication abortion. But I was wondering if you could talk about some of the other drugs involved, I feel like are a little lesser known. And if you could just talk a little bit about what they treat. Right. So another thing some patient advocacy groups flagged to me, so they are arguing that pharmacists should err on the side of filling these prescriptions because they cite data that it's way more likely that people are seeking these drugs for a non-abortion medical purpose. You know, they're saying that drugs like methotrexate can be used to terminate an ectopic pregnancy, which is a non-viable pregnancy by definition, but it can also be used for treating lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, and way more people have those conditions than experience ectopic pregnancies. But what we're seeing is instead, because of these new state laws, some of which are very vaguely worded, there's just a lot of fear. They are really erring on the side of being more cautious and in some cases not filling the prescriptions. One of the issues is that when a doctor calls in a prescription, It says the medication and the patient, it doesn't always say the diagnosis or the reason for it. And so then pharmacists in these states have to call and try to get that information, which they can't always do or they can't always do quickly. And so that is causing patients to have to go around to multiple pharmacies or, you know, have delays. And if you have one of these conditions and depend on this medication, you know, even a delay of a a day or so can be can be really harmful. And that's what these groups are flagging. Got it. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about sort of like the gray area of these laws. Do you think that 
prosecutions are going to happen? Like, is anyone going to go after pharmacists who are not filling these prescriptions? So this is the uncertainty. I mean, look, we're in uncharted territory right now. Some of these state laws were written decades and decades ago. Some of them were written before these states were even states. And in the case of the Arizona law that just went into effect before these medications were invented. (laughs) And so there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. And it's true that As far as we know, as far as all these pharmacy groups know, no pharmacist has yet been prosecuted for filling a prescription. You know, I talked to some anti-abortion groups that are working on this issue who say, look, the fear is really overblown. There really isn't a risk. It would be on the doctor who prescribed the drug, not the pharmacist anyways. But look, we, we just don't know. And they are so afraid of being charged with a felony, potentially losing their medical license, that they are being extra cautious. And even if that causes delays for the patients. And what's interesting is the pharmacists told me they feel really trapped between state and federal law right now. The Biden administration put out guidance saying, hey, pharmacists, if you don't fill prescriptions. If you turn patients away because of these uh, abortion restrictions in these states, you might be in danger of violating federal law. However, (laughs) when I asked about what their enforcement plan for that is, they said they are depending on individual patients to file complaints to HHS's offices. And they would not tell me if any complaints have been filed. And if so, whether they have investigated and taken action on any of them. Based on my reporting, it seems like a lot of people don't know that they're supposed to go file a complaint with HHS online. All of that is to say it's really clear that the pharmacists are much more afraid of the state enforcement than the federal enforcement at this point. That is clear from their behavior and the policies they've implemented. You know, I talked to the big chains like CVS and Walgreens, for example. I mean, that does seem to be the case, especially as, you know, we are seeing that they're not filling prescriptions. So that fear seems really real. Meanwhile, Republicans on Capitol Hill want to roll back the federal guidance altogether. You talked to Republican uh, Georgia Representative Buddy Carter, who's a pharmacist. Can you talk a little bit about that? So the Biden administration put out this guidance. Like I said, it's not clear yet what kind of impact it's having, if any. The American Medical Association told me they think this problem would would be worse had the guidance not gone out. But obviously, it hasn't stopped the denials from happening. And so Representative Carter, who is himself a pharmacist by training, was a pharmacist before coming to Congress, he has this bill that would get rid of that guidance and allow pharmacists anywhere in the country. This would also apply to contraception. It's, you know, anything that violates their religious or moral beliefs. Um, You know, look, just because you put on a white coat, it doesn't mean that you lose your First Amendment rights. Mm -hmm. It is definitely throwing down a marker of what Republicans might try to pursue if they take back um, the majority in Congress next year. Uh, So complicated. (laughs) Always, (laughs) always. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to walk us through your reporting. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Ruth. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. And we're back. Now, to why we're all here uh, for this, uh, this historic day. On Wednesday, President Joe Biden rolled out his administration's plan to tackle hunger in America and kicked off the White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health, the first presidential conference on hunger since Richard Nixon's in 1969. The centerpiece of the plan is aimed to end hunger in the country by 2030. This goal is within our reach. 
Just look at how far we've come on child poverty. I've been covering uh, the White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health, and one of the interesting things, at least from a health perspective, is the way in which the administration wants to integrate food into health care. So the White House has suggested two things. One, it's suggesting that state Medicaid offices should essentially use a provision within the Social Security Act to run pilots testing coverage for medically tailored meals. And then the second thing that the Biden administration has done is it's calling on Congress on creating legislation that would enable Medicare to reimburse for medically tailored meals. Let me close with this. Reimbursement for medically tailored meals has been done before in pilots. So there are existing templates for how to do this. They just haven't scaled yet. Plus, as the Biden administration has noted, state Medicaid programs have the flexibility to launch their own tests, which we're now going to see in Oregon and Massachusetts. The big question is whether or not Medicare will one day reimburse for food. That's something I'm going to keep following. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of Audio at Politico. I'm Ruth Reeder. Thanks for listening and talk to you again next week.